Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Hey, I want you to join me tonight in the book of Job and chapter number 8. Job chapter number 8, if you would please. And we're going to pick around a little bit, so keep your fingers nimble. We're going to go uh, through the book of Job a little bit this evening. I, I know most of us are aware of the trials of Job, right? How many of us are aware of the trials of Job, the great suffering that Job endured, the great loss that uh, Job had suffered, right? And, and all of that, you know this, all of that was under the control of Almighty God, right? That's important for you to keep in mind. When you read chapter 1, chapter 2, the book of Job, and I'm going to assume you've read that, when you read chapter 1 and 2 of the book of Job, uh, God was all over that. Isn't that right? The dialogue begins between, believe it or not, God and Satan, and, uh, and the outcome of that dialogue is Job goes through some, some unbelievable, uh, an unbelievable time of trial, right? If you know the story, he lost a whole lot in a short amount of time. Isn't that right? And so we're pretty much acquainted with his trials. And I think most of us are glad that we don't, weren't a part of Job's family. I was driving down, um, I think, Egg Harbor Road today, and I just happened to be thinking about my message. And believe it or not, maybe it was Main Street. It was Main Street. And there's a, there's a street named Job's Way. And I thought, man alive, I would never buy a house on Job's way. You know, I don't want to be near Job, you know, especially when you know his story, right? So even though we're aware of Job's trials, many of us are not acquainted with Job's grief. And there's more in the book of Job recorded about his grief than there is about his trials, in fact, the first couple of chapters, you read about his trials and all that he went through and all the difficulties that he, that he faced. But then from chapter 3 all the way to chapter in the 30s, 36, 37, you begin to read about Job's grief and all that he went through. And it's pretty serious. I'm going to grab my remote here so I can operate the, the slides as I want to get through them. Uh, but Job's, Job's grief is pretty serious. And, 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 and what, what really happens is there's, there's some statements that Job, Job, Job makes that are just what I call, you know, Hall of Fame statements or Hall of Fame Bible verses. And in chapter number 19 of the book of Job and verse number 21, uh, this is a summary statement. This is, these are the words of Job. And we're going to get to this in just a moment. He says this. He says, have pity upon me, have pity upon me, O ye my friends, for the hand of God has touched me. Now think about that. Job is, you know, speaking. In fact, this is a response to his three friends. We're going to read about his, his one friend in just a moment. And his three, fr his, his three friends come to you know, counsel with them. 
and, and you know, kind of, you know, trying to encourage them. And what he says to them is, have pity upon me, have pity upon me, for the hand of God has touched me. And, uh, and, 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 and just, that's just a, 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 just a summary statement of all that Job was going through. As I said a moment ago, he was a man that was acquainted with grief. In fact, deep grief. You know what, deep, you know what, what grief is? Grief is deep sorrow. And there's a lot of people that you and I, that we come in contact with on a regular basis who are, who are just uh, going through a difficult time. And they're grieving. And they may not even know it. They may not know how to, how to label it, you know, because that's what grief is. It's just, it's overcoming, it's overwhelming at times. And Job is going through it. And, uh, and what you find uh, is this, uh, mostly grief. In fact, I, I jotted down a couple of definitions, defini- definitions for us. Notice this here. Uh, grief is the normal and natural emotional reaction to loss or change of any kind. Think about that. Hold on to that for a second. In fact, if you want to take out your phone, a lot of times we'll do that instead of writing it down. Just take out your phone, take a picture of that. Grief is the normal and natural emotional reaction to loss or change of any kind. And you know when you read through the Bible, you may not be aware of this, but there's a number of Bible characters who, uh, there's a record of them grieving. In fact, one of the ones that pops out uh, to me uh, often is uh, that of Abraham, Father Abraham. You know, the Bible talks about Abraham and Sarah and in their old age, of course, you know, God blesses them with a child. They're 100 years old and she's having a baby, you know, and, and she gets to see that child uh, kind of grow for a bit. But then the Bible says in Genesis 23, it tells us that, Abraham, that, that Sarah died, as like every person on earth. Sarah died, and the next words, the next words uh, in that Bible verse, Genesis 23, 3, the next words is this, and Abraham mourned and wept. Abraham mourned and wept. In other words, Sarah died, and what we have a record of is Abraham mourning or grieving her loss. Grief is the normal and natural emotional reaction to loss or change of any kind. Look here. Sometimes it's not death that we are grieving. Sometimes it's change that we're grieving. I've been a pastor for a number of years, and please don't, don't get mad at me about this, but I've counseled a lot of women who have gone through what you call, what do you call it? Menopause. I wanted you to say it. I didn't want to get hit by a tomato. They call it the change of life. There you go. Thank you, Sandy, for being so courageous to help me. Change of life. And I didn't realize this for a long period of time until I started to do some studying on grief. But a lot of times when when people go through, and by the way, let me be fair, men go through change of life. I don't know if we have menopause, but we we have change of life. You know, we get into that, you know, 40, 45-year-old, you know, we have these midlife crisis, right? And my wife says, you're still having one to me, still having one, you know? I'm still in crisis. Uh, but a lot of times what happens is during those periods of time, we grieve, you know, and, and, and grief, is, grief is real. Again, it's an emotional reaction, emotional reaction. And I recall many times counseling with, with wonderful women in my church and spiritual women, deep, 
deep faith, deep, really, deeply rooted faith, and yet their emotions were all over the place. They just couldn't get a handle on it, you know? And, uh, and that's what you're going to find. That's what we're going to find here in this passage with this fellow named Job. Here's another good definition. I really like this one. Grief is love with nowhere to go. Grief is love with nowhere to go. You think about Abraham, his wife Sarah. They've been married for a lot of years. They went through some unbelievable times together, ups and downs and all in betweens. She dies. Now he's mourning. He's weeping. Grief is love with nowhere to go. He's got this love now for his wife, but she's no longer there. Right? By the way, the next verse says in chapter Genesis, Genesis 23, 4, and it says, and Abraham got up and just moved on with his life. And by the way, he did find another life's mate. Don't get mad at them, ladies. You know, but he did. He, found, he moved to Florida. <laughs> you know, that's where all the old people move and they find the life's mate. I never, we were in Florida, Jason, you know this, we pastored a church in Florida. I couldn't believe how many senior, senior citizens were getting married. Not just senior citizen, senior senior citizen, Matt. I mean, in the 80s, finding, you know, companionship. It was wonderful. I thought it was great. It was cute. You know, they were courting and dating, you know, all the time. And we did many of those, right, many of those little weddings in little classrooms, you know, two or three people together. And so uh, Abraham, you know, he grieved for a bit, but then he, he moved on. Grief is an emotional reaction. Look at that again. It's an emotional reaction to loss or change. And sometimes, whether you know it or not, we go through these things. And Job goes through these things. And tonight, what I want to take a look at is something called tough love. Because in chapter number 8, one of his friends comes. Now, he's got three friends that come to comfort him and encourage him. We're only going to talk about one of them here for a little bit tonight. And this guy's name is Bildad. Bildad, chapter number 8, look at verse number 1. Then answered Bildad, the Shuhite, and said, now look how he counsels them. How long wilt thou speak these things? How long shall the words of thy mouth be like a strong wind? Does God pervert judgment, or does, does the Almighty pervert justice? If thy children have sinned against him, and, if, and, and, and he has, has cast them away for their transgressions, if thou would seek unto God betimes and make supplication to the Almighty, if you were pure and upright, surely he would awake for thee and make the habitation of thy righteousness. Man, you know what he's doing here? I mean, to tell you, he is just, he's just taking the lid off and using tough love in this situation. Let me, let me point out a couple of of, uh, of things about his approach. First of all, instead of showing compassion, now think about this for a second. Here's Job, here's an individual, and if we were to read his record, I mean, it's almost like, you know, you, you put your hand over your mouth because of all that he, he went through, the great depth of suffering. And here's a man who lost his family, his wealth, his health, all in a small period of time, and here's his friend Bildad coming to him, and instead of showing compassion, he took the route of tough love, you know? And, uh, and he begins to, you know, he begins to just nail him with his words. Let me say something about that. Someone who is grieving, someone who has suffered great loss, needs someone to come alongside of them who's empathetic and patient and compassionate. Don't you agree? Tough love should never be our first approach 
when trying to help somebody who's grieving, you know? I know this, I've talked to a lot of people, Maurice, who have suffered with depression and or, you know, they, they have a hard time. I think the church is finally learning to admit that depression is a real thing, you know, because for a while, man, Christians don't get depressed. And yet we read about people in the Bible who suffered with depression, who were melancholy. And, and many times people who go through that will come along and say to me in counseling, they're so tired of hearing somebody say to them, man, just get over it. You know, just suck it up. Where's your faith? You know, that's tough love. And when somebody's going through, when somebody's hurting, when somebody's grieving, when someone's in a state of maybe depression, they don't need somebody to come alongside of them and say, why don't you just get over it? You know, just, you know, start thinking positive thoughts. Don't you think they would if they could? What they need is somebody to show a little bit of compassion, be a little empathetic, so to speak. Uh, notice also in that, that little passage there, he, he kind of uses hurtful words against Job's family. Look at verse 4. He says, if thy children have sinned against him and have cast them away for their children. Wait a second, his, his kids were just killed. You know, Job, Job just buried his seven sons and three daughters. You remember? Remember the story? And now this guy comes along. He's a friend. Bildad's a friend. And he comes along and he says, hey, listen, Job, let, let's just be honest here. If your children have caused this tragedy, all you have to do is admit it to God. Wow. And then in verses 5 through 7, of course, he says this, if you just ask God for mercy, you know, look at verse 7, though thy beginning was small, yet thy latter end should be greatly increased. If you just ask God for, for mercy and repent, he's being accusatory, isn't he? He's prideful. He's really hurting him. Look how Job responds, chapter number 9. Then Job answered and said, I know it's of a truth, but how, shall, how should a man be just with God? If, if, if he will contend with him, he cannot answer him a thousand words. Look in verse number 20, chapter 9. If I justify myself, my own mouth shall condemn me. If I say I'm perfect, uh, it shall also prove me perverse. Though I were perfect, yet I, I would not know my soul. I would, uh, I would despise my life. This is one thing, therefore I said it, he destroyed, destroyed the perfect and the wicked. What he's saying is, I'm, I'm standing beside myself because I don't understand this. If you read the story of Job, you remember in the beginning, God said this to the devil about Job. Have you considered my servant Job? He's a man that, that has great character, integrity, and he escheweth evil. This is what God says about Job, Right? And, and now, now Job is suffering, you know, great anguish, and he's confused. His friends are saying, why don't you just get right with God? Why don't you just confess it? Maybe you're, maybe you're, you're, you're suffering because of your, your children's sin. And Job's saying in this text of Scripture, I don't know what's going on. You know, if I say that I'm right with God, perfect doesn't mean perfect without fault. But if I'm saying that I'm right with God and I did nothing to bring this upon myself, well, then, then you're going to consider me a prideful person. I don't know what's going on, is what he says in response in this passage of Scripture. Bildad goes on in, in chapter number 18 with a second speech. Look at chapter 18, if you would. Chapter 18, verse number 1. Then answered Bildad and said, How long will it be ere ye make an end of words. Mark, and afterwards we will speak. In other words, what he's saying is, Job, you, you, if you just be quiet, 
if you just be quiet, you know, we can speak. He's talking to him like he's a windbag here, you know. Um, read on with me a little bit. He says in verse number three, Wherefore are we counted as beasts and reputed vile in your sight? He teareth himself in his anger. Shall the earth be forsaken for thee? And so once again, you know, he's using this tough love against Job, and he's just accusing him of all these things in this passage of Scripture. And notice how Job responds, chapter 19, verse 1. Job answered and said, How long will you vex my soul and break me in pieces with words? In other words, what he's saying is, you guys aren't helping me. You guys are really just adding insult to injury. You see that? Uh, look, in, look in verse number 11. He says, He hath also kindled his wrath against me, and he counteth me unto him as one of his enemies. His troops come together. So what Job is saying, you know, in response to Bildad is, you know, I'm not sure as to why God is pouring this upon me, but it's more than I can bear, so to speak. And then he even accuses God in verse number 13. Look at verse 13. He hath put my brethren far from me, and my acquaintance are very estranged from me. I say all that to say this. Job is grieving. Here's a man who loves God, who serves God, who eschews evil, and now because of his suffering, he's even questioning God, right? I mean, this grief has got him to the point right now where he's in over his head. We're going to see here before the end of the message, Bible study tonight, how it turns out. But my question is, is this, you know, Job's overwhelmed by grief. And there was times in life when you and I, we come across people that are hurting, that are grief-stricken. My question is, how do we help them? How do you help people that are hurting? How do you help a family member, a friend, a church member, somebody who just comes into the church and looking for, you know, some counsel, some help, some encouragement? How do we help them? And I think this, I wrote this down, what Bildad lacked in his attempt to help Job is what's really needed. What he didn't have, what he lacked, is what is really needed in order to help somebody. Uh, Bildad chose tough love, but that's not the, the answer. Let me share with you just a couple of quick things that maybe you can tuck in your, in your Bible or in a notepad on how to help those who are really grieving and going through a difficult time. The first thing would be this, would be show compassion. Show compassion, you know? I, I mean, just, just get to the place where you're, you're able to understand what a person's going through. I think this, when you read the, the words of Bildad, at least for me, I would conclude that he was cruel. He's just a cruel individual, you know, wasn't trying to help him uh, at all. Uh, and the first thing he does in this text of Scripture, and I pay attention to this, as, as Job begins to share his heart's burden, you know what Bildad does? He dismisses his feelings. Did you hear that? He dismisses his feelings. Have you ever, anybody ever told you that? Anybody ever say this to you? Melissa, you're talking to somebody, you say, Melissa, don't feel that way. Don't feel that way. You don't know what you're talking about. You know, when somebody's hurting, when somebody's grieving, when somebody's going through it, there are feelings, you may not understand them, but they're real and they're genuine and they're theirs. And for you and I to, you know, try and help them by dismissing their feelings is not a good approach. Instead, we need some compassion. And so Bildad goes through all of this. And you know what Job asked his friends in chapter number 6 and verse number 24? Job asked his friends for some proof. Listen to what he says. He says, teach me. I think I may even have that on there. Teach, look at this text. Teach me and I will hold my tongue and cause me to understand wherein I've erred. 
Just show me. I mean, give me some evidence. Show me what I've done wrong, and I'll, I'll hold my tongue. I'll, I'll confess it if I have to. You hear that? You know, when we encounter hurting people, I think we need to be aware that what they need most of all is compassion. Compassion. Look at this Bible verse. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse 3 and 4. Blessed be the God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation. That word tribulation could be trans- translated as trials. That we may be able to comfort them which are in trouble by the, the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted by God. In other words, what he's saying is this. You know, when you confront uh, individuals, a lot of times God will use you know, the very counsel and instruction and comfort that he gave you so that you might go ahead and use it to help somebody else as they're going through it. Are you with me? And that's compassion. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Apostle Paul said, And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. <laughs> and I like that. I like that, that that term, forgiving one another, even as God, you know, that's a big ticket item, isn't it? Huh? And so the idea here is this, when we're trying to help somebody who's hurting or grieving or going through a difficult time, what we need to have first and foremost is compassion. I think that ought to be the first step in the, in the process, the knee-jerk reaction. But then I think this, I think hurting people need truth. They need truth, not just compassion, truth. We need to speak truth. And that's not tough love. But it's truth. And when Bildad says in verse number four of this text of Scripture, if thy children have sinned against him and have cast them away, you know, he's downright. He's being hurtful and untrue. I want you to think about this with me. When you read chapter one and chapter number two of the book of Job, Bildad's not there. Pay attention to this. He has no clue as to why Job is going through what he's going through, does he? Huh? There's nowhere in this passage where God gives to to Bildad some insight as to why Job is suffering. He's clueless, and what he's doing is this. He's coming to his own conclusions. And so he approaches Job, you know, without good intelligence, and now he's speaking to Job about things that really don't pertain. He doesn't realize that God is in control of this whole situation and is allowing Job to go through what he's going through. And yet he's trying to give advice based upon faulty information. Did you ever do that? Did you ever just jump into a situation where you just don't really know all the details? And, you know, you, you try to give somebody some counsel and, and really you just, you're just out of line. You don't know what you're talking about. You're not speaking the truth. I think what people need more than anything is the truth. When we respond without knowledge and without the facts, we do more damage than we do good. We do more hurt than we do good. And in, in this text of Scripture, uh, he also kind of speaks for God. He says this, uh, if, if you go ahead and just get right, you know, with the Lord, God's going to bless you in abundance. There's no guarantee that God's going to restore. There's no guarantee of that. The guarantee God will, ref- you know, forgive. But there's no guarantee that God is going to restore all that you may have lost. You'll see in this case he does, but that's not a guarantee for any of us. I like what the Bible teaches. It says, you know, truth has the power to heal and free a person. John chapter number 8, verse number 32 says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. It's truth. That's why the Bible says in the book of Ephesians to speak the truth in love. Right? And so when somebody's grieving and they're hurting, what they need is compassion. 
What they need is truth. And then I want you to notice this. What they need is hope. We need to spread, we need to spread hope. You know, Bildad goes on and, and continues to paint the picture. Look in chapter 18 with me again. Look at his words here. Chapter 18. And look at uh, verse number 11. Look what he says. Verse 10. He says, The snare is laid for him in the ground and a trap for him in the way. He says, terrors shall make him afraid on every side and shall drive him to his feet. His strength shall be hunger bitten and destruction shall be ready at his side. It shall devour the strength of his skin. Even the firstborn of death shall devour his strength. So what he's saying is this, Job, you're, you're going to be attacked by terror and disease. And look at verse 15. And it shall, it shall dwell in his tabernacle because it is none of his. Brimstone shall be scattered upon his habitation. Man alive. There's no hope in that, is there? Somebody comes along and says, man, I, look, I know you're going through it. There's no guarantee you're ever going to get out of it. You know, you need to get right with God. And I mean, they're just like a doomsday prophet, right? That's not what a person who's grieving and going through some, some difficulty needs to hear, correct? I mean, hurting people need hope. Grieving people need hope. I like what the Bible says in Romans 15, verse 13. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. That's what somebody who is grieving needs. They need hope. They need somebody to come along with compassion, speaking the truth and love, and giving them hope, spreading hope. You know, there's a God above who loves you and cares for you and understands what you're going through, right? And he's here to help you if you just, if you just turn to him. And so there's time, I guess there's some time where we need to show a little tough love. But when somebody's grieving, when somebody's suffering, when somebody is going through a difficult time, we might want to try compassion. We might want to try truth. We might want to try love. So here's what happens in the long and the short of it. Job's three friends that come to him and begin to try to comfort him really turn him. And now Job becomes defensive. So when you begin to read the rest of the book of Job, he's now defending himself. And he's getting to the point now where he's becoming prideful. You know, so he's defensive. He didn't start out that way. But now because he's dealing with his friends constantly, you know, and I think sometimes we, we come up with the idea with friends like that who needs enemies, right? And now he's defending himself. He's becoming prideful. Now God's got to deal with him. So when you read in chapters number 38, 9, 40, 41, God's dealing with Job. And, uh, and I like this. Through the whole dealing of, you know, Job with God, God dealing with Job, God restores his relationship with him. Go to the end of the book. Go to chapter 42, if you would. Job chapter 42. It says in, in verse number one, now this is a conversation between God and Job. Then Job answered the Lord. He's no longer talking to Bildad or Eliphaz or Zophar. He's speaking now to the Lord. He says, I know that thou can do everything and that no thought can be hidden from thee or withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered that I understood not. Look what he's saying. I've said things that I had no understanding. You know, I spoke, I spoke ignorantly, is what he said in, in, in verse number three. Things too wonderful for me, which I knew not, just above my head. He says in verse four, Here I beseech thee, I beg thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee and declare that one to me. He says in verse five, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye seeth thee. Wherefore, I abhor myself. I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. 
If you were to go back and read the previous chapters, Job begins, he's maintaining his integrity. And now he's really, you know, challenging God. And God's got to deal with him to the point where he comes to himself and he says, Lord, you're right. You know, who am I? I'm not on the same level with you. I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye seeth thee. In other words, what he's saying is this. Everything that I've been through has caused me to come to a better understanding of you, to come to a closer relationship with you. I see, I see things in a different light. Have you ever been through a difficulty in your life where at the end of it, you know, you've seen God in, just in a different way? I've heard about this, now I see it in operation, right? I can testify over and over about times where, you know, I believe something, but boy, when God, you know, took me through a ringer or did some things in my life, now I really understand what that means. Now I understand grace. Now I understand what it means to get grace in the need of time, right? And that's what happens in this text of Scripture. And then as you read on, it says, let's read just a little bit. Look in verse 7. And it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, my wrath is, a, is kindled against thee. So now the Lord is rebuking these friends of Job. Verse number 9, so Eliphaz the Temanite and Bildad the Shuhite and Zophar the Namathite went and did according as the Lord commanded them. The Lord also accepted Job. Now look at verse 10. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Isn't that good? Job finally gets his heart right. And now, you know, everything's turning around. And he has twice as much as he had before. So the Lord blessed, verse 12, so the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000. And he just goes on and on, talks about his seven sons, three daughters, and the end of the story is blessed by God, right? And there's times in life, my friends, when you and I, we're going to come across some hurting people. We may be the hurting person. And when we are, we want somebody to come alongside of us who's compassionate, who's capable of speaking the truth in love and, and capable of spreading some hope. And when you and I come across people like that, we need to do the same thing, Right? Tough love is one thing, but it's not always the best approach when dealing with someone who's struggling and hurting and going through a difficulty, difficult time, right? I think we just take, take a step back sometimes and just be reminded of how much God has loved us and cared for us, and we need to do the same for others. Amen? Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.